0: You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Hi, everybody. So today, the sponsor for my podcast is my other podcast. I am launching Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. It launched Monday, October 12th, and hopefully it'll stick around for a long time. It features uh, women talking to other women about their journeys of their bodies and getting tips and commiseration and all the things we need so that we don't feel alone and trying to make our bodies feel better tomorrow than they do today. So check out Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. And it's also a community now on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight. So if you fall into that category like I do, and so many of us, um, come join us. The door is open. Welcome to day three of my children's book blast week. I'm so glad you're back. I hope you've caught up with all the other episodes from day one and day two, just a few more days to go. The first episode in today's book blast is Oliver Jeffers, who wrote What Will build. He's also written a thousand other things, and so I'm going to tell you more about him in case you don't know. Oliver Jeffers makes art and tells stories. His books include How to Catch a Star, Lost and Found, and the New York Times bestsellers Stuck, This Moose Belongs to Me, and Once Upon an Alphabet. He is also the illustrator of the number one bestsellers The Day the Crayons Quit and The Day the Crayons Came Home in collaboration with Drew Daywalt. His critically acclaimed books include highly regarded The Fate of Fausto, which have sold over 14 million copies in 46 territories worldwide. He has been the recipient of some of the children's book's world's highest accolades, including the Nestle Gold Medal for Lost and Found, the Irish Picture Book of the Year for the incredible book-eating boy, and Best Audio Performer of the Year for Here We Are. And now we're going to discuss his latest book, What We'll Build, Plans for Our Future Together. Welcome, Oliver. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.
2: Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. This is like Christmas in my house, which I don't even celebrate Christmas, but it would be like Christmas. It's like the the greatest thing to be interviewing you. My kids were freaking out. I have four kids and they are obsessed. My little guy loves How to Catch a Star and obviously the crayons and everything else. So...
3: Oh, well, Delighted. I'm, thank you.
0: Delighted to talk to you. So let's start by talking about your new book, which I only have on my iPad here What We'll Build, which beautiful illustrations per usual and thought provoking text. Tell me a little bit about your latest book and what kind of inspired this one and why now?
2: Well, why now and what inspired it are both the same thing, which is we had a second child, a daughter, and it's. Uh, I, I joked that. I'd better write her a book because I'd never hear the end of it. My son had a book and, and she didn't, but really it was I was going through you know similar internal dialogues about the state of the world and, and what it's like to be raising a child and and especially this time around that this is the first it's not the first time we've had a child but it's the first time we've had a daughter and she's actually the first female Jeffries in four generations so quite some time and just thinking about you know, the, the timing and the, the, the feeling and the zeitgeist of this moment where so much change is, is possible, not guaranteed, but possible. And, and the idea of raising a daughter in what will hopefully no longer be a man's world, just it, it feels like a, a, a special time to be trying to do that. And and really, that, that was one aspect of it. But it's also with Here We Are, if that book was about trying to understand the world as it is and break it down in its simplest terms, which sort of covers the the strangeness that comes with being a parent for the first time, then we had already experienced that. So our thoughts were able to turn more fully to the future when looking at this brand new bundle of life in our arms. And, and so it's, if here we are is about explaining the world as it is, then what we'll build is, is about possibly changing it. And just in those, the, the quiet hours in the middle of the night, as as I was nursing her back to sleep, I would I would just sort of be imagining these things and saying these. At some point or other, just started to write it down, and and then it it came quite organically and quite naturally.
0: Wow! So you just have to keep having kids, and you'll just have more original <laughs> content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How old, old How old is your How old is your son?
2: He's five. He he turned five in the summer. Okay, I have a five year
0: old also. He must eat up these books like crazy. I mean. How cool to have a
2: dad who does this. Well, he goes, but I don't try to ram them down his throat either because I was never a big reader when I was a kid because it always felt like something that you had to do for homework.
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It always felt like a chore. And it wasn't until I discovered books on my own terms that I became an avid reader, and that was later in life. And I just had, I don't know, sort of this deep-seated fear that if I – Tried to make him do something, it would actually put him off. So, but he does. He goes to books, but he actually likes reference books more. You know, like books that explain things. He's he's definitely more like his mother in that sense, where she's an engineer, and and so he likes things that to to be explained logically. But he also likes dinosaurs and diggers. And my daughter, on the other hand, I think is a lot more similar to me in in terms of chaos and uh, (laughs) creativity.
0: (laughs) So, which were what types of books got you reading?
2: What types of books got me reading? I mean, there are books that I enjoyed whenever I was when I was a kid for sure. I think the first books the first book that I read because I wanted to read it was a Roald Dahl book. Mm-hmm. I, I had read The BFG for for school and it was the first book that didn't feel like homework, felt like a treat. And and then I just went and, and read his entire backlog. But it, honestly, it wasn't until much later in life that I became, you know, a, a read every single day type of person. And it was mostly and I mostly read nonfiction, believe it or not, because of the, there's so many interesting things that have actually happened in the world. It's just, it's, I want to find out about all those things about how how everything affects everything else. And it was in trying to, when, it, when I realized that there was, I can't even remember what it was, but there was something that I didn't understand. I was like, well, let me read about that. And because it was on my terms and I wanted to find out about it, it was a very different experience.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I remember growing up, we had, my parents had like these encyclopedias, which were all really fancy and bound and yeah. everything. And I remember being yeah. like, Wow, I could just learn about anything I want. I'm just going to pull this thing out and let's see what I find. Right. It- Yeah, the
2: power, Uh, the power in that. We moved to the U.S. 15 years ago, and I realized that all the classic books that they teach in schools here in in Northern Ireland as part of the United Kingdom, they were were all, you know, Emily Bronte, Charles Dickens, things like that. And when I got to the U.S.A., I realized there was a whole different genre of classic books that were American classic books. And I think I found a list of like the 100 classic American novels, and I've sort of been slowly working my way through them. So you know, discovered John Steinbeck that way, and Ken Casey, and it's and that's that's been a, a real pleasure.
0: So, take me from what happened when you started reading real doll books, and to like here. When did you know that you wanted to produce books? Like when did you start illustrating and writing? And when did all that brew up inside you?
2: From when I was a kid. I've always loved drawing and making things and a lot of the art looking back on it now has been very narrative driven. So there is that old Picasso quote, you know, all children are artists. The trick is just remembering how whenever you grow up and when people ask me, when did I start making art? I tend to ask them, well, when did you stop? Cause we all made art at some point then, of all adults just sort of stopped and and moved on to different things. I just never did. But when did it occur to me to actually make a book? I think from when when I started thinking about real-life jobs and so on, once I learned that making art was a real-life job, I knew that that was going to be for me. And I started to work my way into a system. The university experience is very different in the UK and Ireland than it is in the USA, whereas here you have to start specializing really from the age of 15. And then you pick your degree... Your subject and then you pick where you want to go. Whereas in the US, it's you pick your college and then you pick what you want to study. So it's it's a much, much different system here. And and I think it suits fewer people here because who knows what they want to do when they're 15. But I'm one of the fortunate people that did know because I knew that I wanted to make art and I got into art college and it was only at the very, very end of my art college, and I thought I was gonna be a painter, which is still something that I do. I have two completely separate careers. And I had this concept for a series of canvases, but it occurred to me that maybe these canvases would better serve as a book. And so I made a book as in my last year of college. And then I went about trying to get that book published. And when I was showing that to publishers, both in London and New York, the, the question was asked, do you have other ideas or is this a one-off? And and I said, it was like, oh no, I've got lots of ideas. I didn't really. I was just like, I, I think that's the answer they want to hear. And ever since then, it's just been, it, the switch was very easy for me and, and books came very, very naturally. And just today, I realized that, it's, it's almost 20 years since I first made How to Catch a Star. Wow. And I it's know. still
0: like, it's so relevant and so beautiful. And like, I go to bed reading it with my son. It's, it's so crazy, right? When you think, like yeah. your ideas are in my house every night. It, you know, it's yeah. just the magic of picture books. It's really unbelievable.
2: No, and I try not to break it down and, and take it apart to see how it works ever. Because I was just out sort of fear that it won't be, ever be put back together. So it's just, it is, it's such a strange thought that the work that I do alone in the studio then goes out and has a life of its own. And it's easier just not to think about that than to to really contemplate what that means.
3: Wow. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
0: So how, you keep obviously creating lots of of stories. Do they just sort of occur to you? Like, how does something trigger you to decide this is going to be my next book?
2: Well, I, will, I have lots of ideas for stories that never really fully marginalize, or, or materialize rather, into stories. Because every good story, every good picture book has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And some of these ideas that I had, they might have they might have just been the middle. It might, you know, it was like a gimmick or an interesting visual or, d- or didn't have one of those three things or couldn't really be fleshed out enough into a picture book. And so my sketchbook was riddled with those ideas. And then at one point I thought, these don't have all that it takes to be a full picture book, but maybe I could do a, a book of short picture books. And that became Once Upon an Alphabet. And so that really was me just plundering through my sketchbooks and lifting out the choicest ideas and then uh, attributing one to each letter. And there was a few holes that I had to think up once from scratch. And um, But honestly, each book happens in a different way. Like Stuck is partially based on a true story. Um, the Incredible Book Eating Boy... The whole story came from both an art project that I was doing with a scientist in quantum physics and a, just a simple drawing that I made and I connected the two things. And then the fate of Fausto, I, I don't really know where that came from. I was I took a drive up the north coast of, of Northern Ireland and I pulled a car over just on the, the cliffs in the absolute middle rural of nowhere and I took a nap as I was watching this, this storm come in and, and I woke up in that that book was just on the tip of my tongue, and i I just put pencil to paper and it came out pretty much as is, so who knows where that came from? and then other ones are you know here we are was was originally written as a letter to my son and and the same with with what we'll build, so each there's not a formula, each one is slightly different, and sometimes they're they're quite tricky to pick the lock of like stuck that that based on really getting a kite stuck in a tree and really getting some other stuff caught in the tree, but I didn't know how it ended, and I sat on it for six months, eight months, maybe a year before watching my nephews play and just forgetting about one game and moving on to the other that I realized that like, well, maybe it doesn't have to end. Maybe they just get, he, he just gets distracted and moves on. And, and that proved to be the perfect ending. So it's, it's, it, it's different for every case.
0: Wow. And then my daughter wanted me to ask you how you came up with the design for the crayons. Well,
2: they're crayons.
0: <laughs> I know, like the, the actual, I don't know, like the faces and the making them so human and I don't know, like how you came up with it. I didn't say it was a great question, but that's her question, so I'm going
2: <laughs> to well, the, we, it was fun to, to come up with the design for the crayons box because I wanted it to be completely unique and not associated with any existing crayons brand. And, and so it was, it, was, it was based on a, like a, I saw an ad in a magazine for like a packet of candy with that color spectrum and, you know, like an old time magazine or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's how that will do. But really, it's the simplicity of it. When I saw that story, I just knew that this book had to be done so simply. You couldn't overdo it because it would ruin the, just the obviousness of the whole thing. So the letters had to be written, like as if you got them in a stack. The crayons themselves had to be characters. And so that's gouache paint. And, and that's, you know, it's the simplest way that I could have drawn them and make them look like physical objects. And then, of course, everything else in the book is, is a crayon drawing. So it was like, well, what are, the, what, are the, what are the laws of just logic that would apply to this if this really happened? And then I just went from there.
0: Wow. So, how do you? Some books you illustrate only, and some books you write and illustrate. Are you still like a for hire illustrator? I can't no, imagine. No, you are. I, I
2: never. I never have been, and as I always said I would never illustrate somebody else's book until I was tricked into looking at the crayons manuscripts. And the editor that I work with then in New York called me into his office. And then says, oh, I got to leave to take a phone call. Don't look at anything on my desk. So, of course, I went over and looked. And that was sitting face up. And and I read it and was like, oh, this is a really great concept. It's so just obvious what should be done. I was like, I hope he ever does this, does it the right way. And then my editor came back in and I said, who's illustrating this? And he goes, no one yet. Why are you interested? And I was like, I knew exactly what you were doing. But I couldn't not do it. And then the only other book I've illustrated that hasn't been a crayons book was with Owen Colfer, who we're we're friends and and we had this or he had this, like, we just basically says, yeah, we should work together. And artists on, and, and authors on that meet on on literary festivals always say that sort of stuff. And it never happens. But then about two weeks later, Owen says, I've got this idea that I think might be perfect for you. And I read it. And I was like, that is pretty good, actually. And it was like, well, what about I do it this way? And he goes, perfect. And then it was just that simple. And then actually there's another book, but it's, it's unclear. People said, well, who wrote it? Who illustrated it? And Sam Winston and I both said, well, we both did. We both wrote it. We both illustrated it. And that was born out of just meeting this person, becoming friends with them, and realizing that all of our work, all of our over just overlaps so much. And we said we should do a project. We started doing what we thought was an art project that then morphed into a picture book. So it's it's been organic every single time. So all the
0: authors out there who would salivate for your help with illustrations, can now just say
2: forget it. That's off the exactly, table. Exactly, <laughs> off the <no>. table. <laughs> exactly. I still work in the fine art world. It's you know even uh, my schedule over the next couple of years is, is mostly sort of based in in like public sculptures and and paintings. So it's it's a strange sort of a mix. So it was like I get it's and I've always laughed at authors who who they want to collaborate. With. It was like yeah that's that's fifteen minutes of work for you and it's a year's work for me. So it's not that straightforward.
0: And what is it like? Like tell me where you do the drawings, like what materials you use, like just the process of illustrating a book.
2: Again, it's different book by book. My studio was in Brooklyn, in New York, although I haven't been there in some time because we were traveling before this pandemic hit and then we came back to Northern Ireland to be with family. So what we'll build is, that's all paint on paper. It's acrylic paint and a little bit of ink, some colored pencil on paper. Here we are was some ink washes that was then finished on procreate on an ipad the incredible boogieing boy was all collage with acrylic paint the lost and found how to catch star they were all watercolor and then the fate of fausto just because i wanted to make life exceptionally difficult for myself i experimented with a completely different media which is lithographic printing and so that's there's there is no original piece of art for that per se because it was all Made on stone and on metal plates, layer by layer, color by color, and then those those plates and stones were sort of destroyed in the process of making them. So it, it was completely different, and I really didn't know what was going to come out the other end of the printer.
0: <laughs> have you like figured out what it is about your style that is so appealing to others? And maybe that's too sort of self referential, but uh, maybe that's more for me to say. But have you kind of analyzed it like when you start a new project or?
2: I try not to, but I think there's a there's a directness and a simplicity and an honesty to it, where it's I'm just clearly enjoying myself, and that's just the way that I write. That's just the way that I do a straight line. That's just the way that it will look like if I do this, and and it's, it's, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm not trying to be something I'm not, and it's it's just a. I don't know, there's maybe an integrity and a, and, and a a mild sophistication enough in it that I'm not trying to pander to anyone. And I don't know. <laughs> uh, Owen, Owen Colfer's son, he, who was 18 at the time, asked me with all sincerity, he was like, why are your drawings so popular? And I thought about it for a second. I was like, I think that might be an insult. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> no, that, that is not an yeah, it. Yeah, because he sort of is like,
2: they're so simple and so easy. Why do people like them? I was like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's funny, trust a child to say something like that. So what advice would you have for an illustrator, an artist, a child who's, who was like you as a child, just sketching and not wanting to stop? How do you have them not give up?
2: Well, there's two things spring to, to mind. One, if you look at successful people, there are plenty of successful people that have all drive and little talent, and there are almost no successful people who are all talent with no drive. But the advice that I generally tend to give young and aspiring artists and illustrators is an Oscar Wilde quote, which is, be yourself, everybody else is already taken. That's a great quote.
0: And what's coming next? What are your next books that we have to look forward to?
2: That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> like, I haven't been in my studio in well over a year. Like we were traveling for from the start of last summer and we, got, we planned to take a year off to travel it took us about five years to prepare for it. And so we, we set off last July, end of last July, and we were intending to return just at the end of the summer. But, but obviously in about February or so, that all came sort of crashing to a halt and we ended up moving somewhere that we don't normally live. And we're, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to find a new rhythm and, and see what's going to happen next. So I do have a, a book project in mind, but it's too early to say anything. And, and if that doesn't work, frankly, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> Are there more Cran's books coming?
2: no the what's the, the 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 last one the crayons christmas has has come out and, that's and i think there was i think there was an, another like a crayons book of colors or you know some there was like a concept book like that i think the art was made quite some time ago but i'm and i think that's already come out so yeah that's that's that that's it end of the line for the crayons they really quit
0: okay <laughs> well thank you for coming on the show thanks for all the hours of great Quality time that I've spent with my children because of you. And best of luck with the new book. And thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you for for having me on. And appreciate sure. the kind words. Bye bye.
0: Bye bye. I hope you've enjoyed day three of the book blast. I hope you listened to the whole week of episodes. Share some with your kids too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know I enjoyed recording it. Don't forget to check out my new podcast. Moms don't have time to lose weight. Pretty soon, moms won't have time to listen to podcasts and check out the Instagram community that goes along with it and if you would like to join please request to join it's for anyone who wants to feel body better in their body tomorrow than they do today and it's a supportive group of like-minded souls who just need the community to achieve their goals moms don't have time to lose weight thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books